I think we're really lucky to have this really unique relationship with these other space exploration companies to be helping us do what we want to do, which is explore the final frontier. This is the Sciences Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. Welcome to Market Skills Sciences. I'm your host, Sean Heath. I have always been a firm believer that mathematics are the universal language. But I also believe that if that is true, then science is the music. Today I have an opportunity to have a conversation with someone who gets to see both sides of that coin, both the music and the math. And that is the guest on today's podcast. It's James Costanza. He's a technical fellow at KPS Global. Jim, how are you today? Oh, good, Sean. Technical fellow, not technical fella. Right, or technical dude. Uh, the technical fellow, yes. You have quite a bit of experience. How many years have you been using math to govern your professional life? Oh, over 30 years. Um, it's a key element of, of the work that we do. I don't want to say you're overqualified, but let's just say you have some pretty in-depth and heavy-duty experience at dealing with hot and cold. Can we start off just with the brief recap of your time at NASA? The project was focused on improving the microcontamination controls uh, of the shuttle processing facility as the satellites and uh, other components were loaded into the shuttle. So it was, the, it was to improve those very small, minute particles that could have an adverse effect uh, on the performance of the components in the satellites. Yeah, you're talking about a situation where you cannot leave anything to chance, even down to the atomic level. Yeah, absolutely. Just um, the, the type of experiments and, and the projects that uh, the space shuttle supported, uh, they had to work flawlessly once they got into orbit. Uh, so um, elements that could impact their ability to perform um, had to be sought out and, and uh, eliminated uh, so they had the, the best chance of performing as specified. I think one thing that would surprise a lot of people is that the levels of complexity in rocket science and refrigeration science, they're really not that different. That's a very uh, interesting comment. They are both governed by science and they have environmental conditions that can impact their performance. Uh, and so creating these facilities or structures or systems that uh, eliminate those risks is, um, is a critical uh, part of the engineering and manufacturing um, of these systems. Yeah, and those systems are so critical when we're talking about refrigeration sciences. You really have to pay attention to detail from the very beginning of a concept of a project. The laws of thermodynamics aren't going to change, but the way you approach the innovation with regard to those laws, does have to change. Talk to me about how KPSG approaches innovation with regard to those laws. 
first of all, you try to understand those laws in depth. Uh, so you understand what you're operating against and you work to engineer systems uh, and test those systems uh, where that you can overcome those uh, challenging elements um, uh, of thermodynamics as it relates to, uh, for example, the cold storage enclosures that we manufacture. There are many elements of thermodynamics that come into play uh, that, that we must um, again, work with um, and work to overcome uh, with our systems. Can you give me a simple breakdown or an explanation of the way in which that approach applies specifically to walk-ins and freezers? Sure. Maybe it uh, would be good for us to step back and, and, and talk a little bit about how the envelope works thermally um, for a cold storage, uh, for example, a walk-in cooler or freezer. The way thermodynamics work is that um, heat actually travels from a, a higher level of energy to a lower level energy. So, uh, for example, if you have a, a cold storage freezer where you're trying to maintain a temperature of minus 10 degrees Fahrenheit inside the freezer, and it's located in a normal store environment, say at 70 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, there, there is an 80 degree temperature difference between the outside of the, the walk-in freezer and the inside of the walk-in freezer. And so the energy from the outside is trying to, to conduct and flow into that, that, that freezer enclosure. Uh, it'll, it'll flow through all of the um, envelope surfaces. Uh, it'll flow through the floor. Um, um, the energy difference uh, creates a uh, convection uh, on the surfaces, which helps um, speed up energy transfer. So um, there's a, there's many elements of the thermodynamics field that comes into play. So conductance is, is probably the largest one, uh, as the energy uh, just simply conducts through the materials of the envelope and reaches the inside. There's also, as we just touched on, convection that will occur by air currents and um, uh, heat that um, is um, uh, on the outside surface and also cold that's on the inside surface of the envelope uh, that will change the rate of energy flow through, through that envelope. Uh, also, there is radiation um, that comes from hot sources. Uh, for example, just uh, high bay lighting in the store will create uh, uh, radiation that will uh, um, be absorbed onto the surface of the cold storage envelope, uh, creating greater heat transfer. So very many elements of the thermodynamics uh, spectrum uh, is experienced on a cold storage enclosure. We're talking about this 80 degree difference in temperature. Is it too complicated to create, I don't know, like a DMZ in between the negative 10 degrees, let's say we created an envelope around the envelope and it, through the use of air curtains or whatever, and we have a buffer zone between the regular storage temperature and the internal temperature of the cooler. Let's say we made the air outside, I don't know, 50 degrees. Is that an incredible waste of energy to cool that little zone that would outweigh any possible benefits of minimizing the amount of energy needed to maintain the negative 10 degrees in the cooler? Probably, um, but your example is actually used today in a little bit of a different way. For example, we uh, manufacture uh, blood bank freezer systems that uh, the internal temperature is is uh, kept at approximately minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit. And um, when you have that cold of a temperature, you actually 
uh, it's important to build what's called an ante room that you enter first before you go into that minus 40 degree environment. Um, again, it's all based on thermo thermodynamics and, and the impacts to that. So that ante room might be a zero degree chamber or a minus 10 or plus 10 degree chamber, but somewhere around zero degree chamber. So you enter into that chamber before you enter into the minus 40 degree chamber. And so that, that creates a transitional space that manages all of those thermal issues that, that uh, would be present if you tried to walk from a 70 degree space directly into a minus 40 degree space. How do you deal with the concept of small incremental changes in the industry versus a revolutionary advance? Historically, the, the cold storage industry and the, and the, the framed panel um, industry related to that has been relatively stagnant in significant innovations. Um, um, over time, for manufacturers like ourselves, those innovations uh, tended to be incremental. And while improvements were, were made, they weren't significant. Over the years of our experience, we looked at the benefits of the systems that we had been using, also those shortfalls, what, where were the areas that it wasn't performing well in? And we basically asked ourselves, how could we combine the best elements of both of those? The elements of strength, which is required in the structural insulated panels to make these large enclosures, but also the thermal properties of the high-performing polyurethane insulation that we use uh, inside uh, these, these panels. So we tried to understand, can we marry the best of both worlds into a single product? And, and um, that's how we think we've made this a significant improvement um, uh, to the industry that will provide great benefits to the customer and um, also to the environment. Now, up to this point, we've talked about energy and heat transfer quite a bit, but we haven't mentioned the most important component, the one that you can't get away from in this process, and that's water. How do you combat the constant challenge of icing and condensation, and how do you do it efficiently? It is our single largest issue um, related to the performance of these cold storage envelopes is what we call condensation formation. Um, historically, um, wood-framed materials have been used to create the perimeter framing uh, of cold storage panels for large uh, walk-in coolers and freezers. Um, it was selected because it had good structural properties and, and uh, it, it was easy to manufacture. You could mold it, mill it into the shape that you want to create a for example, a tongue and groove connection uh, between panels. Um, it provided really good resistance to structural forces such as bending and compression. And those are significantly experienced in walk-in enclosures, especially the ones of large sizes. The problem with the wood framing um, of the insulated panels is that wood is the weak link thermally. So when you, when you have this weak thermal link, when condensation can form because of environmental conditions, it will form at the joint where all these panels are, are connected together through a locking system. It never forms in the, in the foam area of the panel. It's um, because that's a high-performing insulation. Um, 
where where the wood is is about six times less in R value than the internal insulating foam. To, to give you an example, the typical R value of wood is approximately 1.2 or 1.3 per inch thickness. The R value of high-performing polyurethane insulation uh, that we use in, in the panels has an R value of approximately 8.05 per inch thickness. So you can see that wood's capability thermally is significantly less than what the polyurethane insulation is. So when these cold storage units are located in um, conditions that are um, poorly controlled, or uh, let's say it's an unconditioned warehouse um, that a freezer system is installed in, the humidity that can be present in that unconditioned warehouse can create condensation issues on the wood framing elements of the cold storage panels and, and creating a, a number of detrimental effects from that. Even in a controlled environment like a supermarket, if you had prolonged rain um, or you're located in a coastal region, that those higher humidity levels can create, again, condensation issues at the frame, uh, whereby water is on the surface of the, of the panel systems and, and that condensation can also get into the joint where it can be absorbed by the frame material, in, in particular if it's wood, uh, whereby the wood will absorb that condensate. Um, and if it's deep enough into the, into the panel joint of a freezer, it'll, it'll build as ice and start breaking down the fibers of the wood frame. And if it happens for a long enough period of time, that joint between those panels where the ice is built can fail structurally. I don't know the R value off the top of my head of an inch of ice, but is there a possibility of repurposing or integrating a layer of ice that you're having to fight the formation of anyway? Is there a way to go ahead and in a jujitsu move, use that formation of ice to create an additional layer of R value? Or is it too difficult to manage to make that a viable option? It would be uh, pretty difficult to manage, Sean. And, and the reason why is if moisture does get into a, a joint between two panels and it can get, de get deep enough, it gets absorbed into the fibers and it's deep enough to start building ice, that ice expands um, uh, to a greater volume than what the moisture was just in the in the liquid water, or the, the, it expands to a greater extent than what just the liquid water was, and it starts separating that joint. And so, as the joint separates a little bit because of that ice development, it creates greater space for more condensation to form, where more moisture can be. Um, absorbed out of the atmosphere through the condensation method and more ice is built. And over time, that joint just keeps separating further and further um, as condensation is formed and, and frozen. And so that's, it'd be, that's why it's difficult to, to control uh, that uh, where if you could try to manage ice, it would be this type of environment uh, doesn't allow to, to be able to control its growth. Inviting ice into the equation seems as if it would literally be creating a snowball rolling downhill. 
Absolutely. It will literally tear that joint apart over time if it's allowed to remain and and grow, uh, which it naturally would um, um, as it continues to deposit uh, into that joint. Just out of curiosity, when you were working with NASA, did you have a momentary urge or desire to go on a spacewalk? Actually, um, I did not. <laughs> Tell you the truth, I don't know what it was. If it was just a fear in me, but uh, uh, you know, one of the parts of the evaluation or the work I did was to get on um, to go up. Um, I think it was. Uh, launching pad 39A, uh, as I recall, uh, to uh, the top of the shuttle entry, um, um, which was, you know, 100 and some feet off off the ground. And uh, not that I'm particularly afraid of heights, but that was a little bit of an unnerving condition as you walk out of the uh, the elevator onto the the uh, gangway to get to the to the uh, entry point into the shuttle. So. Um, it was iron or it was metal surface that you could actually see down through the walkway, right? It was an open grate uh, that you can see all the way down to the ground. So that kind of cured me of any any of those higher higher wishes. When I saw what happened to George Clooney in Gravity, that pretty much solved any desire I ever may have had. Right. Yeah. It's a. Um, I I tend to have some motion sickness, so that one, it wouldn't have gone over very well. What about the industry? would surprise someone outside of it? Um, I think the the greatest thing is managing um, the thermal thermal dynamics um, of these envelopes. You know, we talked about condensation, but we didn't we didn't talk about some of the very negative things of condensation uh, to a store operator that most people wouldn't know about. For example, condensation, if it occurs for a lo- long enough period and it doesn't have to be excessive, um, it just has to be, you know, constant for some period of time. You're going to build mold and mildew uh, in that area where condensation is formed. So um, it is uh, very unsanitary and an unhealthy in a in a food preparation space to to have those kind of conditions. Uh, we had um, uh, experienced a customer um, who had a a cooler freezer system in a unconditioned warehouse space that um, was condensating significantly because of very high humidity levels and high dew point temperatures. And behind the, the one of the, the freezer boxes uh, was about a quarter inch to a half inch deep soup of mold and mildew that was puddled all along the, the freezer wall where condensation ran down and collected um, and had been there for uh, an ex- extended period of time. The, the other part of the condensation issues is um, just puddling, uh, you know, slip and fall hazards is, is, is a risk when you have those kind of uh, condensation events. Humidity, high humidities relating to these very cold walk-in temperatures and how they interact together. It's something that um, is a very significant issue that has to be dealt with that most people are not aware of occurs. Let's talk about the real financial concern over protecting these investments. How does KPSG approach the longevity and lifespan and sustainability of one of these units? Let's talk about in real world value to a restaurant owner or to a grocery store owner, this is one of their largest investments. So sustainability is pretty important. It is. 
Um, and there's a, certainly a couple of elements to sustainability. Um, one, like you said, is the life cycle um, of these cold storage enclosures. How long do they last? Um, what kind of energy do they consume? Um, because if heat flows into the, the walk-in freezer, for example, the refrigeration system has to remove it out of the freezer to keep the, the set point temperature um, or keep the temperature at, at the set point. So any heat that comes into the walk-in space has to be removed by the refrigeration system to outside the building. The lower the R value is of the cold storage enclosure, the higher amount of heat flows into the, the walk-in, which has to re be removed. So that means the refrigeration system has to run more to be able to remove that. As the refrigeration system runs more, more electricity is consumed. Every time you consume a kilowatt hour of electricity, you generate greenhouse gases um, and global warming potential um, gases that have a negative impact on the environment. So creating an enclosure with a high R value is an important element to the longevity of the freezer. The other element of the longevity is the lifespan. It is typical for a wood frame freezer to last somewhere between seven and 10 years. With this new product system that we have created, this fusion frame panel system, that longevity is extended, plus it's much higher performing thermally, so it can reduce the amount of energy flow into a freezer walk-in by up to about 50%. So the refrigeration system runs less, it uses less electrical energy, which creates less global warming potential. So, Jim, you mentioned this fusion frame system. I don't think it's a secret. Can you break it down for me a little and give me some more details about it? Sure. Um, Sean, what we, as we go through the process of trying to develop a new product, as we talked a little bit earlier, we, we try to look at the current conditions, what works well, what doesn't work well, and how, how we can resolve that into a new solution that would be positively impactful on uh, for our customers. So with the fusion frame system, we looked at the, the, the performance of a wood frame panel system. And we thought to ourselves, okay, what if we take the lightweight structural performance of wood framing, which is really good, and combine it with the thermal performance of polyurethane insulation, which is really great to create a better panel system. And that's where the this fusion frame panel system um, has derived from. The fusion frame system has a structural core that is encapsulated with a polyurethane insulation jacket. So it can provide a comparable strength to the wood framing panel system um, that has historically been used in these type of applications, but also it adds in this high-performing polyurethane insulation jacket that really improves the R value of the framing system. In fact, the, the fusion frame system is between four and seven times better thermally performing than wood. It also eliminates the thermal bridginess of wood framing. If you can picture the, the a freezer envelope, uh, the typical wood perimeter frame extends from the inside of the um, enclosure to the outside of the enclosure, creating a thermal bridge between them. The fusion frame system breaks up that thermal bridge and lowers the 
opportunity uh, for any condensation development. Uh, it significantly warms up the outside surface of the freezer enclosure um, where condensation is uh, incredibly unlikely. And because the polyurethane jacket is made up of closed cells, only about 3% of it is plastic material. The rest is um, the blowing agent and, and air inside of the cells. It is nearly hydrophobic, meaning that it won't absorb water. Unlike the wood frame, which is, can absorb water significantly, this polyurethane foam does not. So it eliminates the opportunity for condensation to form and for any moisture to condense inside the joint um, and be absorbed into the in, into the frame material. Now, this is such an innovation and such an elegant solution. I'm curious, do you have arguments on the team or who takes credit for the idea? Well, I'll tell you the truth. We've had a great team uh, all the way from company leadership that, uh, you know, has uh, made this large investment in, into the system and, and the manufacturing changes and, and also you know, certainly the engineering group and manufacturing group that's pulled it off. So, um, Actually, I'm just so elated about the work of this whole team to, to pull it off. Well, it has been very cool to get to talk to you today. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. Today, it has been my absolute pleasure to have a conversation with Jim Costanza, technical fellow for KPSG. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed this. My pleasure, Sean. Thank you so much.